Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Well, hey, we're so excited to have another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. And really, this podcast is all about highlighting and connecting people into what's going on right here in the Lehigh Valley as we are in the valley and for the valley. And so I'm really excited to have today with us the development director of Living the Dream. His name is Sam Moulet. And uh, Sam is just a great guy that I've gotten to know over time. One of the things I appreciate about Sam as we start off our, our time together this this day is I appreciate how much he is tenacious with following up, following through with what he sets out to do. Uh, this guy has uh, not, he didn't uh, formally meet me uh, until last week. So it was last week we had a conversation by phone for the first time, but he had been pursuing me and just wanted to connect and get together. And I just got to hear more of his story and what he was doing. And I just felt like he had so much to, to say and even to offer as far as insights to what they're doing and what they're about. So tell us about yourself, Sam, and, and what it is that you do. Well, thanks, Joe. I just want to thank you for having me on your podcast. This is a pretty cool spot to be in. Um, thank you for letting me share uh, what I'm doing. Um, I am the development director for Living the Dream. Um, I was initially brought into this organization to develop the Allentown area. I had worked uh, as a mentor in the Allentown area with Coach Snyder in the Allen basketball program. Mm-hmm. Had uh, mentored a young man named J.J. Winslow, uh, who came from extreme circumstances, and I got him to the point where he's attending a second college right now, mm-hmm. uh, is going for business, and once at some point when he graduates college to come out and work for Living the Dream, uh, which is a blessing because he'll be able to actually reach more kids uh, than I ever would mm-hmm. uh, doing what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, the love that I have for the inner city is kind of just in my time working there and in the high schools, seeing the um, need that these kids have where they don't necessarily have their basic needs met. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where my heart really, you know, was filled with, with the idea of, you know, in mentoring, I saw how much more I could get out of a kid in an hour outside of school as opposed to like a month in school. And that's the idea of if we had a community center, how many more kids could we mentor? Yeah. How many more lives could we change? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to ask you even with that, you know, what is it that Living the Dream is about? What do they do? What do you guys are, you know, I know mentorship's a big part of that, but can you just let us know a little bit more about that? Right. So we have a program called After Dark. So from September through April, uh, we run our After Dark program, which uh, is Friday and Saturday evenings between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. And what it does, it, it gives a, a kids a safe place to kind of be off the street and out of trouble uh, in a facility where mentors are kind of like breathing life into them. Mm. And then we break down at halftime and teach these kids like life lessons um, that a lot of times they don't get at home. Um, so we have right now we have three facilities, uh, LVHN Sports Academy, the Lou Ramos Center uh, and Bethel Church in Emmaus, where we're. Uh, running these programs, but our goal right now is to you know raise money to open up this community center in downtown Allentown. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, I wanted to ask you why? Why are you so passionate about mentorship? Like, what what drives you for that? Like, why why are you passionate? Why why um, have you given so much of yourself to that? The the funny thing about the whole mentoring program is I wanted nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was working at Allen at the time, and she shared with me that uh, Coach Snyder was looking for mentors for the Allen basketball program that not one uh, man on the Allen basketball 
program had a father. Yeah. And she's like, you know, you have a basketball background. I think you'd be a great mentor. So I, you know, I approached Coach Snyder, said I'd like to mentor. He said, Sam, why don't you just pick a kid? And I picked JJ, and, and Coach Snyder looked at me and said, Sam, he's like, that's the toughest kid I've had in 20 years of coaching. Hmm. Um, but it, it was a blessing uh, for myself and my wife working with this young man because uh, we got to see um, what it was like to, you know, a young man to have extreme circumstances stacked against him. Hmm. And... Um, my wife and myself just being consistent and being in his life when other people who we met said, you know, Sam, why would you mentor this kid? You know, he's no good. You know, he'll never go anywhere. He'll probably end up in jail. You're just wasting your time. Hmm. Um, but I saw something special in him. It was something that with a lot of kids that I work with, I just, I saw potential. I saw, you know, I guess, you know, I just had a a love for him, I guess, right off the bat. And I saw what could be Hmm. and to see where he was from, having the odds stacked against him to where he is now as being, you know, a huge success story for the city of Allentown in general. Hmm. Um, it was just a blessing for my wife and I to be able to work with that. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you too, back to the basketball question, uh, or back to the basketball part of the, what you said. Uh, I had a basketball question for you. So what position do you play basketball-wise? Me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to play guard. I okay. either played one or, or two. I, I used to have a pretty good shot back in the day. All right, um, all right. But as I'm getting older, I can't run as quick or jump as high as I used to. So so do you have a team that you root for? Are you an NBA guy? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm originally from Philadelphia. Uh, okay. I was actually born in Connie Mack's house in Philadelphia. Oh, oh, he, was a, wow. he was a Phillies manager yeah. in Connie Mack's stadium. My father was a football coach uh, down in Philadelphia. So I'm a big, you know, Philly. The Eagles, Flyers, Sixers. Uh, okay. what, do you think, what do you think about the Sixers this year? What do you? <laughs> all we need is Ben Simmons to get a jump shot. I know. We'll Did you right. see? <laughs> Did you hear that he shot a, a three pointer and made it in preseason last well, night? We'll hope, we'll hope we get some more of those. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna need that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought I think they look good, man. You know, I'm a I'm a big uh, NBA fan. If, okay. if you know, I just man, I love it. I'm so pumped up about. Are you a Hawks fan? Well, you know, I am a Hawks fan. Okay. I'm excited about our future, but I'm when I'm not rooting for them, I'm rooting for the Sixers because I do like what they've done, and I'm you know I'm, I'm living right. here in the valley, and you, you got to just trust the process. That's right, man. You got to try <laughs> embrace the moment, right? Is that is right. that's the new thing? Uh, that's right. So as as I was thinking about what you were saying though about basketball and about mentorship. You know, I, I think it's really important for people who are, are hearing this to understand the value and the power uh, that you have to take the time to invest in somebody else and not to lose sight of what could be in someone's life and what should be. Like there's a real opportunity uh, for them to come alive if someone will take the time to walk with them and be patient with a process. And I know we, we're joking around about trust the process with the Sixers, but in a lot of ways that's true of working with people? Like, would we trust the process? Would we be uh, patient and deliberate enough to see a process play out? I know for, for me personally, I've benefited from incredible mentors. You know, I, I came from a similar situation to a lot of those guys in Allen. You know, my, right. my dad left when I was really young, came back into my life, thankfully, like we reconciled in 2009, but he was not really a part of my life. And, um, you know, had a, a difficult home life, um, was on probation by the time I was a freshman in high school. Had a probation officer my freshman year of high, of high school and my sophomore year as well. And spent a night in juvie. And so all those experiences have led me to understand what happens uh, when someone's left to their own. But then when others had stepped in, and I could list uh, several 
several mentors, and I don't have time in this podcast, but people who right. intentionally walked with me, teachers who really said, hey, we're going to walk with you. My special ed teacher, Annette Tucker, you know, is one of those people that I think about. You know, and there's several other teachers, mentors, uh, people in the business community, youth leaders, youth pastors. They, man, they took the time right. to walk with me, to help me to process what it was that I was experiencing because there's a lot of painful things in my story, and to tangibly walk with me so I could move forward in in my life. So, for example, uh, you know, they helped me uh, with taking this college path, you know, whether that was filling out the, the right information applications or providing funds and resources for me to go to school uh, yeah. or opening doors for me. So when I was finished with my fresh, first year of college saying, hey, there's a youth pastor I want to introduce you to. Uh, and that um, opened the door for me to intern at an incredible church. And, and there's, the story goes on and on and on. I have so many people like that in my life. And it's a gift to look back because a lot of times the difference between someone from a situation like that, that you're describing, JJ right. is his name, and even in myself, is, is that people said, hey, we're not quitting on you. We're going to fight for yeah, you. being consistent. We're going to be consistent. We're going to provide stability and structure, but we're also going to give you space. Right. You know, stability, structure, and space. You need all three of those things when it comes to, to mentoring and to walking alongside people. And I want to encourage you guys, as, as you're thinking about that for your own life, who are the people that you could intentionally pour into? you know, that you could walk with, that you could make time for. And they may not be in a situation like JJ. It may be someone that is in your neighborhood or, or that you work with or, you know, that that's newer to maybe your field or your office, but you're intentionally p- taking the time to yeah. help walk alongside them because no one arrives at where they are when it comes to success on their own. Nobody. Nobody's self-made. Nobody. So we, we have an illusion about ourselves that we're self-made, but... You tell me someone who's successful, and I'll ask you, who are the 10 people who helped you get there? Because there's at least 10 people that helped you to get to where you are. And it's so easy to become short-sighted and to forget, you know, the the power of encouraging and walking alongside people. So when we're talking about this, Sam, I get fired up because I know. I know It's close to your heart. Yeah, it's it's so close to my heart. And I know it's close to your heart, too. Because I know that you weren't always on the path of development director. Tell people a little bit about your story that really turned it around for you a little bit in your own life, if you don't mind. Yeah, I um, I actually had never thought about doing any of this. I was uh, a visual artist for Bonzon department stores. Mm. And uh, my wife would come home from working uh, at her job when she was at uh, South Mountain Middle School. And she would ask me ideas that I had to work with the youth and... Um, I would just share them. And she said to me one day, she's like, Sam, she's like, you should apply for a job at communities and schools where I'm working. Mm-hmm. I had zero background in it. And uh, I remember the first time I went to the job, I mean, to the to the interview, and they said, uh, you know, Sam, you don't have any of the qualifications. You've never done this before. You really can't work for us. They said, basically, the only reason we're, we're letting you, you know, in for this interview is because we love your wife and she's great at what she does. So I didn't get that job. And I was kind of like just feeling down and. Um, you know, went back to what I was doing, but I kind of felt unfulfilled in, in that job working there. And the fatherhood position opened up and she's like, you should just go apply for that one. I'm like, babe, I, I feel so embarrassed going into this cause they really don't like me that much. So I went into the interview again. They kind of said the same thing. You don't have 
you know, the qualifications. You've never done this before. I went through the interview process, and at the end of the interview process, they said, why should we hire you? And I said, I, said, I, I lived a bit of a crazy life. I said, if you hire any guy right now out of college, he'll never get through to these kids the way that I will. What was, what was the crazy life? Um, I just took a path after high school that uh, most people would not come back from. Can you tell us a little um, bit about that path, if you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, I moved to uh, I moved to L.A., um, got caught up in some scenes out there, um, whether it be, you know, doing the wrong things, uh, drugs, girls, you know, caught up in, in situations that, um, you know, I'm just thankful that I still have my life. And, you know, I knew, knew you know, early on that, that God was walking me through something. I didn't necessarily turn to him right away. Um, but as I moved and progressed in life, I saw these things happen, just like getting the job with communities and schools and in the fatherhood program and even the development director job that I got it happened supernaturally. Yeah. Um, so well, I was going to ask you, because it's interesting to me, the turn, you know, when you were in the, the throes, you know, of that life that really wasn't freeing. It wasn't slaving. Sure. And, you know, and, uh, these are your words that we've talked about <laughs> at different points in time about it. But then there's this turn that happened. Were there people who came around you during that time? People who walked with you? Anybody that you could come comes to mind? Yeah, I remember uh, I had a buddy Gaston uh, DeBello. He um, he kind of got me going to a church that they were going to, and uh, met with a few of them. And their small group had been praying for me for you know years. And uh, you know it was kind of one of those things that I started going to church. I I uh, started listening a little bit more, and there was a pastor who spoke the one time who had a life that was very similar to mine. Hmm. And uh, it was one of those things, they had the altar call, and, you know, I'm kind of like sitting there, my eyes are closed, and all of a sudden I see, like, you know, I'm kind of standing up with my hand up in the air for no reason, because I didn't, I didn't stand up. Um, and uh, that's kind of like when everything in my life really started to, to turn hmm. around, when I gave, you know, my life to the Lord, and... Um, that's kind of why I was on fire for him after that. I mean, it was one yeah. of those things that, uh, I'm pretty tenacious. Yeah. I couldn't be stopped. And once I started progressing, it was one of those things that, man, like God's working in amazing ways in my life. Well, I think it's important for us to hear the, the story behind Sam's life that's led him to doing what he's doing because it's, he didn't just arrive at, Hey, I want to be a mentor or I'm not, pa- I'm not, you know, he wasn't just, I'm passionate about mentorship on its own merits, though that's partly true to a degree. It was, hey, I was living this way, and then I had people walk with me, and then I saw, hey, what would happen if I took my story, the story that at times I'm sure you're ashamed of, you know, those places in your life that you look back on and you're like, what was I thinking, all those things, but you allow those those times to become and those trials to become a testimony that uh, then... uh, is the catalyst for you being able to relate and to walk alongside other people and to mentor right. them. And I, I just think it's so important that we don't miss that in our own stories. Uh, there are, are pieces like that. And it may not look exactly like Sam's story or, or my story, but we all have a different story that if we are willing for it to be told and to use it as a source to invest in other people, it can be something that is a great benefit. What we perceive as a weakness can become a strength because it takes our vulnerabilities and then invites others in. And then we have this relatability. See, for Sam even, and I can relate to this too, the, the, the things we experience or the way in which 
we survived or punched our way through a lot of different things become assets at times because we think differently. We think outside of the box. We we have a tenacious way of approaching things. Right. Like Sam, you're a tenacious guy. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna knock on the pavement, right? You're gonna yeah. you're gonna get on the street. You're gonna yeah. connect with people. You're gonna and and I want to say to us all, we we need to embrace that tenacity. We need to we need to embrace that. And I I think. Uh, one of the gifts that you have even in your story is being able to relate to people in light of that. Yeah, because, Joe, that's the thing. Like, I'm not really ashamed of what I went through in my life. Right. I think God actually had me go through all of that to prepare me exactly for what I'm doing right now. Hmm. The relatability is there with whatever these kids have gone through. <laughs> I was one of those people that had already gone through it. So I was able to share my experiences with them. Yeah. Which, which you're right. It, it has prepared me to to move forward with this, and and um, you know, I kind of look at it now as as a blessing um, because I have that like edge a little bit to work with these kids, you know. Which you know, um, I know it's just been a blessing for me to be able to share my life experiences with them so that yeah. they don't make the same mistakes that I did. Yeah, and I think that you know those life experiences and sharing them and seeing them as a blessing now. I think it takes a, a time for us to get to that place. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think we're in the middle of it. We're thinking it's a blessing. Yeah. You know? Well, I'll tell you, like, I'm in my own mm-hmm. life with my own kids to see, you know, I remember when we first took JJ up to college at Lackawanna. And I remember, like, putting my hand on his shoulder and I said, JJ, I was like, you did it. You made it. You're in college. And he kind of puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, I didn't do it, Sam. He's like, we did it. Yeah, that's right. And the coolest thing is, is like when we got in the, in the car to drive home, my son like pops his head up, you know, with myself and my wife. And he said, dad, he's like, that was like something out of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, like my wife and I kind of just like small smile at each other. And that night when I was tucking him in bed, um, he kind of just like said, dad, you know, c- come here. And he said to me, he's like, dad, you know, he's like, if I don't make it in the NFL or the NBA, he's like, I want to do what you do. I want to help people. And I think in, in my heart and, and, and in my thought process of, like, my son's getting, like, what I'm doing. Like, being selfless and giving of yourself to help others is, you know, what we want to do in life. It's mm-hmm. not all about us. It's not all about just, like, you know, trying to get ourselves from one place to the, to the next. It's how we can help others and impact their lives. And for my son to see it, I just know, like, generationally that's going to, you know, kind of transform in his life and move him forward in that service mentality as well. Yeah, and I think that's spot on. I, I think... A lot of times, you know, when we are trying to move our, our children forward, and this doesn't just go for if you have children or not. This could be people we're trying to influence. A lot of times we're, we're trying to, like, teach them something. Like, I'm going to teach you this. Here, here's, like, I'm going to write this on the whiteboard. <laughs> You're going to follow through. I'll send you a Word document. Right? Like, I'll send you a spreadsheet. But most people aren't going to be taught in that way. They're going to be taught through what's caught by our lives. And what you're modeling, even for your, you know, your son and for him to see that, to see like, hey, no, this is out of the overflow of who my father is. You know, this is a priority, I think speaks not only volumes to him, but I I do think that's the way that we're all intended to do, to do that. Like my son is going to model how I, you know, how he's going to model after me, how he relates to his mother, how I treat his mom. Right. You know, he's going to. He's going to uh, model what he sees me do. And my wife often tells me, you know, our son is very, very um, sweet towards me and right. treats me, 
you know, like, like a queen. <laughs> and and he, she says, you've taught him well. Yeah, this was being modeled at home. Right. You've taught him well. And right. I'm like, well, like, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And right. I want to continue to do that. But I, I think that in our own lives, you know, if we want to see changes happened, you know, change, you know, change happen and um, take place in the lives of others. I think we need to evaluate what's being caught by our lives, not right. just what we're saying, but who is it that we are? Because so many times the, the negative things that are surrounding a, a person, um, there, there's bigger there's bigger pieces to the story than maybe we know. Right. And I, I think of even the things that JJ has had to overcome and right. you've overcome came and I've overcome and, and several of, of, of uh, others have had to overcome. And I think not to lose sight of that, don't lose sight of the story that people have come from. And I think that's a big part of what I heard, even from our conversation so far as, you know, are you taking the time to slow down and understand why someone does what they do? Right. There, there is a belief system that they're holding on to. There is a, there is a reason why they're angry. There right. is a reason why they're fighting. There is a reason why they're um, running. Yeah, I mean that was that's probably like one of the biggest mm-hmm. barriers that I would come in front of working with, like especially the males, um, was they had this wall built up that you couldn't break down. Um, and you know, I reached these kids through social media. That was a platform that I used. Mm. I showed them very emotional videos to start. I got a little bit of emotion out of them. And then basically just loved on him and said, listen, like, I see potential in you. Mm-hmm. I don't care what any one of your teachers have ever said to you. I'm going to help you. And, and you're going to do great things. And when it, you give, give them, you know, get emotion out of them, give them a little bit of love, and you give them hope, that's when you can work through these kids and their problems is because they start yeah. to believe in you. They believe that you're real. And that's all they're looking for. And to your point of modeling, you know, your, your, your <laughs> son right. for, for your wife, that's what we want to do with these kids. That's right. There's, we're not always going to have every answer. We're not always going to know everything. But if we model the behavior to them on a regular basis, in turn, it's going to, they're going to take that home to their family and act like that to their siblings, mothers, yeah. and such. Yeah. You know, the, the mentoring part of it is, is, you know, leading by your action. Yeah, right. You know, so that's that's what's so big about like what you talked about. Yeah, and I, I would say too, never underestimate the power of your words. You know, as, as Sam was mentioning that, I, I, you know, it's not uh, difficult probably for you to recall people who who said things to you that uh, that stuck with you and hurt you. Uh, you know, they they wounded mm-hmm. you. Yeah, but the words of those who lifted you up, I'm sure, have stayed with you. As well, they've served as a north star in a lot of times of difficulty. So many people around us, and and we're talking specifically about mentoring, but I, th- I think this goes across the board. Very seldom are they told what they are good at and what what it is that they could become, and what's the potential within right. them. And I think we need to call that stuff forward, not just ridicule them and mock them or say, you'll never amount to anything. Or, you know, you're, you're, you're just going to be like this person, whatever the words that we use, right. because those words are not uh, laced in faith, hope, and love. Those are, are words that are, are marked by despair mm. and discouragement. And we don't believe that cycles can be broken when we talk like that. And the truth of the matter is cycles can be broken, True. but it's going to start by giving a vision for what somebody could be. You know, and in my life, I've had so many people do that. And I know I mentioned that early on in our, our time to, today is, hey, this is who I see. See you are who you are. 
And this is who I believe you can become. Right. Like I see this in you now, but I believe this is who you can become. I'll never forget people say, said to me things like, God's going to do great things through you. <laughs> You're an incredible leader. I mean, right. this was when I was in high school. People said this stuff to me. And, you know, was I living up to that at that point in time? No. Right. But they were seeing what could be. Right. They could see the power of my life and the way I could influence people. But I did need others to walk with me. Right. So words are so key in that. But the other part of that is to show them because so many people are are used to people just talking. And we need both. We need we need words and actions. Right. And so the actions are showing up even when I don't have the answers. <laughs> you know, like I think that speaks to power to people when you can just say, honestly, I'm not sure the answer, but we can right. we can work through that together. You yeah. know, like not pretending like you have it all all figured out because you don't, and neither do I. Like we, none of us do. You yeah. know, but to really work through uh, sharing our lives, you know, with with other people in that way, and to be that consistent voice right. through our words and our actions, because so many of them are are used to people showing up for a moment, but then they're gone. Right. But when you show up on an ongoing basis. And a little bit of love and a little bit of support and encouragement over a long period of time right. can make a lasting impact. Yeah, because initially when you're first meeting these kids, no one trusts you right off the bat. So That's you right. need a little bit of time to you know, kind of gain their trust. Um, and you know, I'll tell you what's funny is that um, when I first met JJ, mm-hmm. I shared with him, I said to him, I said, JJ, I want to let you know that um, one day you'll be speaking in front of people mm. and I'll have a community center. Mm. And, and, uh, for him to see now what's happening, he spoke at William Allen, wow. uh, the, um, William Penn school. Mm. He spoke before the Allentown chamber board. Wow. Um, That's he's awesome, spoken at CIS graduations. Mm. He's very well known in the city. And I said to him one day, I said, JJ, do you realize that like, it's not me who's doing all this? For you, it's not my wife who's doing all this. I said, you you believe that there's like a higher power who's helping move this along? Hmm. Um, and he kind of just said to me, he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I I know it's not all you. And I said to him, I said, JJ, do you do you realize that you know everything in my life changed when I started to pray? Hmm. I said, everything in my life changed. Everything great happened in my life when I started to pray. Hmm. And he's sitting in the car next to me. He just looks at me and he said. So Sam, so how do you pray? Hmm. And I said, just like I'm talking to you right now, man. <laughs> and uh, it was one of those things that I just intentionally yeah. always just tell him. And he's now to the point where he says, like, I know God is working in my life. I know he's got great things for me. Hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of also where, you know, you see like change in a mindset of I'm only human. <laughs> Right. I can't do all this by myself. There has to be somebody who's, you know, right. helping it. So he gets to see that too on a regular what, what basis. What years JJ now? So he'll be a junior. He's a junior at Goldie Beacom College in Delaware. That's awesome, um, man. And the cool thing about it is he got a scholarship half for basketball, but the other half was academic. Dude, you know, as you're working with them a good a good amount. What what are you celebrating currently about the next generation? I want to start with the celebration part of that, and then we're going to talk about some challenges you see. And maybe right. you, I know you may have hit on some of them already, but, and, and that's okay as well. Well, I want I want like everybody who's listening to this to think about this: is we're working with one kid, hmm. and everyone's like, well, you know, one kid. You know, we want to impact more for a community center, but the biggest thing is the generational change that we're going to be able to make in one kid. 
So his kids now will go to high school, graduate high school, and go on to college mm. or go on to a trade school or whatever. Where a lot of times we don't think about long term, we think of just the here and now. Yeah. And that's one of the, he was a kid who never ever thought about going to college. And now his entire family will have that representation in college or trade school or whatever. Um, so, cool. so, so thinking long term, I think, is, is really what gets me excited about yeah. working with the youth. I mean, obviously, the kids in the city don't have their basic needs met. And I think, you know, they don't have food on a regular basis. They don't have shelter. They come from homes that have been disrupted, whether been through, you know, divorce or, you know, just growing up with only a mom. Um, so the challenges that they face are much more than, you know, a lot of kids in, in the suburbs. Not that they don't have their own issues, yeah, but right. when you don't have your basic needs met, it's hard for you to attend school on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's hard for you just to, you know, study or or be in tune what's, with what's going on, you know, around you because you're just living for the here and now. I mean, you have yeah. so many kids that are going from house to house to house and doing the couch surfing, and I want to bring, you know, those kids into facility and, you know, continue to work with them one-on-one. You know, in a safe place mm. uh, where we can just breathe life into them. That's cool. So, when you think about the this generation that you're walking alongside, the thing that you're celebrating is is obviously the one. Are there characteristics that you you celebrate about what you see in this generation in particular? Well, the kids that I work with in the city, they um, they're resourceful. I mean, mm-hmm. they overcome extreme odds that I don't even know, like myself personally would be able to overcome. I mean, the the strength internally that a lot of these kids have is amazing. Um, so, you know, I, I, I see that as, as, as a major strength, um, that they bring to the table. If we could develop them, if they're able to overcome all these odds to get to a point where they buy into what we're saying, what can they do then at the next level? Mm -hmm. Um, and what kind of leaders can they be? You know, a lot of us didn't have to overcome extreme odds to get to where we are today. Um, but they're coming from those situations that are beyond what, what we have ever had to deal with. And that's, that's what gets me excited is seeing the potential for them to be able to work hard enough to get to where they need to be. Yeah, it's one of the things I've, I've noticed, you know, as I think about people who come from extreme odds and overcoming those odds, I've noticed a, a trend and it's, I don't have like, uh, data or a survey I've, t- I've taken. I've just taken it through the, the people I know. But a lot of times the people who come through those situations have a resourcefulness because they can think outside the the parameters of what is standardized thinking. And it allows them to um, see a future and to drive towards a future because they're not playing by the rules, rules quote unquote, about, you know, how people think it should be, you right. know, because they like, well, you know, the, Yes, like that's that's a one way, but there's like probably two more ways that you could do it. And I think when you're able to mentor them and to walk with them, man, they they have an an incredible incredible way of accomplishing so much. And I think that's why they're even great entrepreneurs, even if they're not necessarily a a founder of something. They have a mindset to think critically about, right. hey, what I see the problem. What's the potential solutions that are outside of the box? For what we may know, like we're yeah. going we're gonna to look within the bounds that are given, but how could we look at this in a different way, in a creative way and solve it that would maybe not have been thought of? I agree with you 100 percent because they kind of grow up with that hustle mentality. That's right. And I remember I, I bring in a speaker every once in a while with these kids who was a drug dealer in Allentown. Mm-hmm. And he was a, a guy who got shot. 
um, had a mentor step in and pay for him to go to community college at LTRIC. And then he did well in there and paid for him to go to Lehigh. And now he works on Wall Street. Wow. So I bring him in because basically what he does is he talks about being a drug dealer and buying low and selling high and how he's doing the same thing on Wall Street. And the kids love that idea of, well, you know, I know guys who have done that. If I go to college, maybe I could do the same thing that he's doing. But it's just the relatability of that, sharing a story that they see on a regular basis of, of drug dealing and gangs that are happening and seeing a, a guy who got out and is successful. So that's brilliant for them to see something like that. Yeah, see, one of the things I have, one of my core convictions is that teaching the next generation about that, it's what Lehigh University calls uh, an entrepreneurship mindset. Mm-hmm. And, man, I, I'm really passionate about it. It's And even for those who come from these extreme obstacles and odds, um, really giving them this vision of what could be with that. Yeah. Like, I... I I'm looking forward to the day when we have a program like that, you know, an entrepreneurship program to take them through for them to be able to put that energy into thinking about, you know, not only who they are, but what what could they do with that? And even to remind them of their value apart from what they can accomplish. Because a lot of times what is difficult for people like that, and I speak from my own experience, um, is once you start achieving I think there's still this restlessness within you because right. you're trying to still measure up and find value. So I think that's where mentors have to step in and remind them, you know, what you do is really important, but who you are is even more important. Yeah. Like you're, you're someone of worth, value, and significance, not based on, not based on like how successful you may be at this. And that doesn't mean we just don't want to do our best, but to, to not marry it to our performance because yeah, a lot to know of the, your worth right because right. a lot of times those relationships have been so segmented and broken and so they have attached their value based off how they perform right. and so whether that's you know a parent who left you know like what did I do like what was wrong with me Why, yeah am I inferior I mean like I, I didn't I didn't, it wasn't enough I wasn't good enough I wasn't you know, to, to teachers maybe saying things. Yeah, that, and a lot of these kids have that because a lot of them have fathers that have left. That's right. And, you know, that's that's one of the you know biggest issues that we deal with in the city is, you know, these young men and women who are growing up without any fathers in the picture. Right. And so I, you're right on with that. Yeah, because I, I, I find that the father wound, which is a, a term, not, term that's often been quote, coined to speak to those who don't have a father in their lives and, and this just gaping hole and whether they had a father like leave or maybe a father who was there, but disinterested, disengaged, yeah. you know, this, this desire grasping at, Hey, I just want you to see me. I, I want to know that, that I'm of worth and value and that I'm doing this right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know for me, it took a long time for me to really fully heal from a lot of that. And, and I'm thankful that my relationship with my dad is a, a good place, yeah. you know, um, but it was hard, you know, yeah. it was a hard thing to, to really be able to look at and say, okay, maybe sometimes my striving isn't just so, you know, isn't about doing my best. It's about trying to strive for perfectionism and to achieve in order to be somebody yeah. and to find my worth. And I, I think we have such a, a role to, to really help them take steps to move forward in their lives, but as they move forward, to always remind them of their identity. Right. Because their identity has been skewed and broken 
not because of their own doing necessarily. It's it's what they've been brought into, yeah. and so much again is attached to what what they think about themselves based off someone who left or, or right. is not interested in them or you know, the words that were said and spoken. And so it starts this cycle. And so I don't know. I just think that's such a powerful tool to be able to. And to that's why this back. is so close to your heart is because you get it. You felt this yeah. pain at a young age. You understand what these kids are going through and it's easy for you to relate to them um, and their story. Yeah, absolutely. So it's absolutely. just a blessing that we're able to share like this and, and yeah. you know, kind of reach people and kind of just get them in tune of what's going on in the city and, you know, figuring out ways that we could kind of help them, you know, to move forward in this. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important. I think it's, man, I think there's a, a great opportunity uh, right here in the Valley. I mean, part of the reason we started Vision for the Valley, uh, yes, it's the, the podcast part of it, but it's bigger than just the podcast. It's literally because we have a vision for the Valley. We have a vision for the people here. We have a, a vision of what could be and should be and helping people step into what they were destined for. Right. Uh, the belief that they were made on purpose and for a purpose and, and to really put that in front of them and to do the, the work of walking with them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's so, so key. So as we think about this, you Sam, you know, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is was, and you mentioned this a little bit here about the downtown Allentown area and about a community center that you guys are looking uh, to, to open and establish right there in, in downtown Allentown. So can you tell us a little bit about the community center in that area and, and what, where it's at and all those things? Yeah, so uh, August 26, I believe, we are approved uh, through zoning in the city of Allentown. Um, we have a facility. It's about a 24,000-square-foot a facility on uh, 12th Street in Allentown. Um, it's a facility that we want to set up with uh, turf fields mm-hmm. for soccer, uh, flag football, basketball. We know that's kind of like the draw in the city yeah. where we could have, you know, the arts, uh, music, dance, theater. Um, and then we would have a space set up for community partners where we would bring them in specifically to have, you know, the kids' me- needs met, whether it be... Uh, LCTI, Career Link, uh, Haven House, where kids are dealing with different things, whether it be mental health or looking for jobs. They come to our facility, we gain their trust, we work mentoring them, and then when we plug them into that community partner who's actually in our facility, they then will in turn kind of trust them and work with them on an easier you know, way than they normally would just going into a facility kind of cold. Yeah. So the idea is to kind of have like a one-stop shop for kids um, who are downtown Allentown to like really plug them into like their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for us to continue to work with them, mentoring, established leaders that we then in turn can kind of turn back into the schools. Because um, I believe a community center like this is – it's not only going to help the downtown, um, you know, with the shops and businesses that they're opening, um, but it's also going to give those kids a safe place to kind of be in the evenings when a lot of, like, the crime has kind of been, like, happening in the downtown area. Hmm. Um, and, you know, to have a thriving downtown yeah. is only going to help, you know, those communities outside of the city as well, you know. Um, we have great restaurants downtown. We have great shopping downtown. We have the Arts Walk um, how much more inviting would it be for people to be able to go downtown knowing that kids in the evenings are in a safe place, um, you know, being mentored? Yeah. And it's no secret. I mean, when you look at the opportunity there, I mean, there clearly there are strides happening there, but there's also still gaps 
And I think this is where a community center like this has a, a great opportunity and potential because, you know, there's a lot of shootings this summer. Yeah, you know, 23 and I think 30 days in July. Yeah, and, you know, that in itself, and you could speak into this as you've been, you know, pounding the pavement, you know, and, and working through it. You know, I, I, I think there's a sense of fear, uh, anger, questioning. You know, I, I, think, I think people want another way. Is that yeah. your sense? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times, you know, we, we have, you know, the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, we have, you know, Salvation Army, we have other facilities mm-hmm. that are great, you know, opportunities for them. There's not a lot for them in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where we want to come in and is establish a place where they can come in in the evenings when a lot of this, you know, crime, like you talked about, is actually um, happening. Somebody said to me, you know, are those organizations like, you know, the Y, Boys, are they going to be your competition? I said, they're not competition, they're actually help. You know, we're just another part of that. I said the competition that we'll be dealing with for the most part is going to be drug dealers and gang members. That's right. And to get those kids out of those, um, you know, kind of like family really is what they are to those kids is that's all they have. That's what they're reaching out to. Hmm. If we had a positive way that they could, we could reach out to them and bring them in and, and kind of like love on them, you know, they probably wouldn't turn to those gangs or, or, or selling drugs and going after that fast money because we'd be working with them on a regular basis. Yeah, I don't want you to miss this. He said a couple of things that I think are key across the board, but specifically in this conversation about mentoring. Finding ways to meet tangible needs is a real thing. Sure. So I think a lot of times we just want to look at people and, and maybe solve problems they don't really have. But there's a lot of tangible needs. Like I'll think about, I think back to my own life. Someone taught me how to drive, and it yeah. wasn't one of my parents. They literally taught me how to drive had a, a mentor do that you know and i'm from the atlanta area so 285 <laughs> we would be merging on this you know uh, several lanes on 285 and he's like you're not going fast enough punch it you know you, got, you gotta punch it i'm in this like maroon pontiac grand am and i'm like are you sure yeah you're not going fast enough but you know i remember that i remember people buying clothes for me and my brothers you know mm-hmm. i remember those tangible needs are huge, you know, and, and I think the other part of that is it was, it was tangible needs that were from a place of family. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people were like family to me, you know, right. and I think finding family is a search that all of us are on. And that doesn't mean we don't have it in, in some ways with, you know, the, the parents that we, we have. But there are sometimes gaps, you know, even if you have a, a two parent home, there's just gaps. We, we, we're, we're not meant just for our biological family. We need other people to, to walk with us. But specifically for what you were talking about, Sam, there's a lot of people that don't have even both right. sets, you know, of, they don't have both parents. They don't have family there to walk with them. And so I, th- I think it's so important for us to understand the value of meeting tangible needs and the context of relationship that will not be used to manipulate, but would rather be used to help lift up, right. to help walk alongside, to help them to know, hey, you're not forgotten. And I love even what you're doing with JJ. Like you're like through this process with them in in college, but I, I think it's even beyond that. Like it has yeah, to he's get- he's actually like like a fourth child of three kids. He's he's like a fourth child. That's right. And I think he looks at me as a father figure, you know, in that he didn't have. You know, any father to help him go through, you know, college and helping him get through high school and being concerned on how he's doing on a regular basis. 
so yeah that's that's kind of like where that kind of comes in it's um fills in the gaps that's right like you were saying well and i think that you know as we look at that you know there is a gap through the fathering and even the mothering aspect depending on who you're dealing with i think we have a, a huge opportunity to do that and i know many of us didn't didn't have that so like i know for me i've had to learn that over time but i've had people stand in the gap for me and as a result of that i'm able to do that for others and and my hope and my prayer is that others will do that for the people around them as well because that's how change happens you know it's the one person right in front of you right yes we i care we care about the masses but a lot of times the masses can distract from the person right in front of you. Right. And if we will just focus on like the one to, to three people in front of us right. and be intentional with that. Wow. What a difference that will make. You know, this is this is the Jesus way. I mean, Jesus models that for us again and again. He he had 12 that he poured specifically into it, but then another three that he even gave more time with. And And I think the idea here is that you see a movement take off as a result of that. And so I, I, I'm excited about the potential of this community center. So I wanted to ask you, Sam, mm-hmm. as, you, as you think about that in your own story, in your own life, and what you guys are doing with the community center, um, when are you guys hoping for it to be open? I don't know if you can state that yet. <laughs> yeah, so wanna... we're, you know, the goal is to try to open this uh, center September 2020. Um, we're, we're legitimately right next to the brand new elementary school that they're b- building in downtown Allentown, um, which will be opening September 2020 as well. So I think that would be great timing uh, for us to open that as well, because we're looking to work with, you know, all the high schools, elementary and middle schools in Allentown, because um, I do believe our organization is going to really help uh, with the attendance of the Allentown School District. Of, yeah holding these kids accountable to, you know, kind of show up to school on a regular basis if they want to have the opportunity to be in a community center and, you know, kind of thrive and work with us on a regular basis. Yeah, I think I think even, too, like, I think there's a, a great opportunity even to provide potentially, like, breakfast. You oh, know? sure, yeah. Yeah, like, and I think a lot of times that's some of the, the difficulties, you know, finding ways to leverage, you know, the, the, the spaces and avenues to, to really say, hey, here's a, a, another way to... Right. To be motivated to, to come in. So I, I wanted to ask you, um, how can people learn more about it and get involved? What, what could they? Right. So the, so the biggest way that they can get involved is, one, going to the website, kind of finding out a little bit about us. It's uh, www.livin.org. Um, and our big push right now uh, is for finances. We, we need to raise money to open up this uh, community center. Um, that's our biggest push. We're meeting with community members. We have a lot of people who are on board in downtown Allentown to see the need for this. Um, but if there's any way, whether you could, you know, pray for this community center, I mean, we're looking for as many prayers as we can. We're looking for supernatural things to happen. Um, if you have the finances to be able to help financially, that would be a blessing to us because that's our main push right now. Um, in order to, you know, help these kids, we can't just do it by ourselves. It kind of takes a village. Um, and bring all the right people in to make this move forward is is really what we're we're all about. Um, we want to bring in community partners who do things better than we do, mm-hmm. and that would be their aspect of work. And then we we work with the kids in the evenings to to do our part. Um, so prayer, uh, any volunteers that would want to come out and help work with youth, um, we're always looking for volunteers. Um, and again, financially, if you feel led to to bless our organization in any way, um, that would be appreciated probably more than anything so that's awesome how can people connect with you 
directly. I know there's, you gave the website. Is there ways that they, if they wanted to connect with you directly, how could they do yeah, that? Yeah, um, I mean, um, they could connect with me through my um, email. It's sam at livingthedream.org. Um, they can go on the website and connect with me on there as well. Um, I'm basically meeting with everyone in, in downtown. Everyone knows who Living the Dream is now. Um, and it's neat to see, you know, the different people who are wanting to get involved. And, um, you know, it's just it's just been a blessing um, from where I was to where I am now to see that, you know, all these people, even just being on your podcast here, who want to help and want to, mm-hmm. you know, try to make this city, you know, a thriving area because it's just going to help everyone in the Lehigh Valley as well. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, Sam, we are so excited about what's going to happen. You're doing a good, good work. Well, thanks and, for having me on. Man, I appreciate we are, it. We are so grateful for you, man. And we believe the best is yet to come, man. We we are excited about September 2020, and we're we're uh, cheering you on in that process. Keep up the good work, my friend. And thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 